Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast with your hosts, Yasmina and Ari, who will be uncovering gems of wisdom with Jewish educators from around the world. To support our podcast, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Jewish Education Experience Podcast. Our guest today is Rabbi Ellie Zions. Rabbi Zions is the director of Jewish and student life for grades K through 8 at Browser Maimonides Academy in Hollywood, Florida, while also teaching in the middle school. He is the team director for the Boca Raton Synagogue and the former director for NCSY's JOLT summer program, where he led high school groups through Poland, Germany, Austria, and Israel for the past eight years. Ellie also served as program director for the Ronald Lauder Foundation throughout Central Europe, where he ran numerous Pesach winter and summer programs for Russian immigrants living in Germany. He has since opened his own summer day camp, Camp Shemesh in Boca Raton. Hello, Ellie. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor. Yeah, and I just want to mention how excited I am to have Rabbi Zions here. He's been, uh, I can attest to the fact that he's been a Jewish educator for decades because we grew up in uh, in Canada together, and uh, you, you've been educating me since we were kids, I guess. And he follows after his mom, Joy. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm very blessed to have an incredible uh, role model in my life. So, so sure. Rabbi Zions, will you please tell us a bit more about yourself and how you began your journey in Jewish education? Sure. Um, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when education became the focal point of of my life and that became the direction I was going in. Um, I kind of immersed myself in informal education. Um, as you'd said, I, I was working with the Ronald Ladder Foundation and I was running a lot of seminars and programs, trips, and a lot of it was informal education, giving classes, small groups, one-on-one learning, um, even like giving lectures to crowds. And um, through that, I was able to kind of find a certain niche or, you know, utilize certain, I guess, a skill set of mine. Um, and I kind of decided to go all in. And I formalized it. I had my master's in education and working in a school, working in a classroom, working in the administration. It has definitely helped enhance um, it, it, an overall approach to education, and it's given me uh, uh, incredible enjoyment and fulfillment in my life. That's awesome. Uh, what do you like better, being the director or in the classroom? There's pros and cons to everything. <laughs> I happen to, uh, throughout, throughout my entire life, anytime in any leadership position, I I can say with full confidence I was always with the kids. I was always with the participants, whether it's high school, college, middle school, elementary. I have no problem hanging out and talking, making sure that everyone's happy and seeing how everyone's doing, you know, checking in on them, making sure everyone's laughing and smiling, everyone's involved. Someone who wasn't engaged or involved, like I come over to them, like put a big bear hug, put my arm around them, say, what's going on? What you been? And uh, find a way to redirect him and, and find a way to get him engaged. Wow. So you, you mentioned you have some people in your family, obviously, who've inspired you. Um, are there any educators that have inspired you that you particularly admire? Um, 
so as I as as you said, my mother has been an educator, I think, her entire life. Um, and her passion, her excitement, her energy um, was definitely noticeable and I think left a very big impact on me. I will say that there are a few uh, in terms of educators, you know, there have been educators throughout the generations. You know, while they may not be with us today, the writings, the, you know, the, the things that they were able to put out are still able to influence and inspire countless individuals. One of those people was the Pizetz Nareba, Rav Kalanimus Kalman Shapiro. Um, he wrote Chovas HaTalmidim, an unbelievable safer, an unbelievable uh, a guide. And I think it should be mandatory for every educator, even just as a parent, to, uh, to yeah. read. And uh, his words speak with fire. You could feel the, the passion, you can feel the intensity, but you feel where it's coming from, from a, from a place of love. And he was writing this, you know, in, in pre-world Europe. He was living in Poland, he was in Warsaw, he was writing drushes in the Warsaw Ghetto. Um, just an unbelievable and remarkable individual. Uh, Ace Kodesh, right? That's right. So we have, we listened to Dr. Henry Abramson. I don't know if you're, he's also Canadian. Um, but he's in at Turo, and he's got like these YouTube videos, you know, on Jewish history. Um, yeah. So I, I want to say he wrote has a book or, or on the Ish Kodesh also. Probably. He is a, a a famous individual who, you know, an ocean of ink has been spilt talking about him, about his writings, about the different svarim he's put out. Unbelievable, unbe- unbelievable things. Right, because they like dug them up or something at the Warsaw Ghetto, right? I think they yeah, buried like, yeah, a bunch of yeah. them. He, he buried wow. them, right. They, they, they resurfaced years later, yeah. Wow, all right. What it's an really interesting, amazing. yeah, really interesting answer. Um, yeah. We should probably look into that um, some yeah, more. Yeah, for sure. Hope us Got to check it out. Yeah, we definitely will. I'm curious because you have many different roles. How do you talk about God and how might it differ with the various age groups that you work with? Um, so it's a phenomenal question. I think that God is, I mean, at least with me, I always talk about God. Every time someone says something, anything happens, Baruch Hashem. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's wild. Oh, that it's a sign. It's a sign. What What does it mean? Oh, it's something. I have no idea what it means, but it's clearly God is trying to tell you something. Um, and if that differs depending on the demographic that I'm addressing. So the younger they are, so the, you know, it has to be in a way in which they're going to be able to comprehend and hopefully internalize. But even just the exposure to constantly hearing Baruch Hashem or the different uh, Hashem, God, the Almighty, Rabona Shalom, the Abishter, different names of a Kodesh Baruch, just hearing God mentioned in class. And I make sure it's mentioned every day. Baruch Hashem, guys, things are amazing. How are things by you? And anytime someone says something, oh, Baruch Hashem, they were paying attention. Baruch Hashem, you understood. That's amazing. Um, so having the constant exposure and them being able to hear, process, and hopefully you know internalize, wow, God is always in discussion. God is always being heard. I can't say that that is always the case in, in every classroom with, 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 those, with most people, but in terms of what I do, um, I'm always trying to to mention Hashem in every conversation, and also the older they get, you know, the more the cognitive cognitive development is advanced to a stage where they're able to understand and extract and internalize, you know, deeper ideas. So we're able to find, you know, like bring it home. How does it relate to you? 
Right. Well, I love that, first off. And second of all, I could totally see your mom and how animated and everything you were with that answer. I just picture your mom. And <laughs> the last question that we asked previously, if there were other educators, I wasn't sure if you were going to mention anyone else. Uh, th- there was one. There's one other individual, um, Rick Lavoie, Richard Lavoie. Um, he made these videos. He put out articles. He's a, he's, he's a fairly well-known individual, famous individual. Um, and he was putting this stuff out in the 80s, the late 80s. And his, I mean, he, he primarily focused on the, the learning disabled child and, you know, the different struggles that the different students are going through. And the way in which he was able to articulate, the way in which he was able to express um, the different experiences, the different struggles that the various students go through in a classroom, his workshops that he was able to come up with and create and then give over to a group of adults and educators, professionals in a way in which they would be receptive and they would become so much more sensitive to the needs and the experience of the LD child. I, it just blew me away. And you can't help but be fixed on listening to him. He's, he's just amazing. He's a vat of knowledge and inspiration. Wow. That's quite a gift. Yeah, so b- back to the, the question about God. So, And that's how you were raised, right? Like also your parents were like that. <clears throat> I, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's... Back to, everything came back to Torah. Like, what are you learning? What'd you learn? You know, what, is that what God wants? Like, is this the right thing? It, it was... Uh, I, I guess you're right. I guess it left a very impactful and meaningful uh, double mark on my life. And how uh, I... <laughs> how I uh, and I, how, how I address it as well in the classroom and out of the classroom. Right. I feel like it's that's such an important, like, answer um, to emphasize. Like, that's you know, just the importance of doing that from like a young age and just like doing it constantly is like a key educational, uh, you know, pedagogical. Yeah. Even yeah. as parents, I mean, I feel like we are always trying to say, oh, even Baruch Hashem, thank God, or God did this, or, you know, um, and it was so, sometimes I say, if something happens, I say, God forbid, and we have an almost three-year-old and something happened and he said, oh, God forbid. You know, it was just so funny how they pick up things that we say. I think also something I've noticed is just everything comes down to a matter, matter of perspective. You know, one of my students, um, high school student, very smart young lady. Um, and she, because uh, I, I was telling them, I see God every day of my life. There has not been a day of my life so far at least that I can remember, or haven't necessarily seen or heard God. I don't, I mean, in terms of, of the lesson that I'm, the, the, the message that the Karsh Baruch was trying to give over, there's always been something that has resonated every single day. The Almighty is trying to tell me something. Yeah. And so she said, is it, is it that God's telling you something? Was that you'll always <laughs> see what you're looking for? Mm-hmm. I said, right? And so my response was, maybe if you just understood what, you, what to look for, you'd be able to see it. And so if you train ourselves, if we become a bit more sensitive as to what what the message is or what the message could be, or did this just happen on its own, coincidental, or perhaps was there a deeper lesson? Was there a message? Doesn't Things don't just happen on its own. What are the odds? What are the odds? For sure. Right. Well, that's really important <laughs> to recognize. 
So we're talking about education. Um, chinuch in Hebrew can be an amorphous term. How do you define education? Hmm. That is a that is a good question. How do you define education? Um, so there is the famous pasuk chinuch l'nara which everyone always quotes and says, and it's true because it's a beautiful pasuk. And that is, you should train, you should educate a child in their way. What people don't what they don't necessarily say is the, the, the rest of the Pasuk, right? When the child gets older, even when they get older, it's not going to leave them. It won't depart. It'll still be with them. So I think education is the idea that you're able to, I'm not, I'm not just speaking to you, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the tools. I'm giving you the, the skill set that you need that you can internalize that will now be embedded within you, that will last. It, will, it won't just be like, study this, pass the test, you aced it, boom, now I can forget everything I need. I've, let's clear it all out of the mind and make room for something else. But rather, chinuch is to give over to the child something that will last with them long-term. Hmm. Not just a short-term, not just to pass the upcoming exam, test, assessment, but something that will hopefully be meaningful enough to last with them long-term. Yeah, you know, I, there's this, uh, I was looking into, you know, if I had to pick a quote, right, I was like trying to look at different quotes and trying to particularly have it be something more secular. So it was from Aristotle, there's a quote, um, like education is the best provision for old age. And so it's like similar, right? Yeah. But, I, you, but, but you're, what you're saying is like a bit of a, I like that, it's a different... Uh, kind of spin on, on it, on, on the, the puzzle, right? Right. I, I think, I think part of the, part of, part of the understanding is that it's not just like, oh, I'm teaching you in a way, in a style that you will remember it. But I think that it's the, the material, being able to interact with the material that you're, that you're learning in a meaningful, powerful way. So now it will give you the tools, the skills to be able to not just take the concept, but be able to extract that concept and be able to reapply it in any given scenario. Amazing. So it's a long-term, uh, it, it's something which lasts with you, but it's because you brought it to that point. You're extracting a potential, a, a, a potential that lays within, and you're able to apply it now with, in reality, which hopefully if it's constantly used, if it's constantly being applied, that doesn't get lost and it stays with you long-term. So I got to ask you another question because so it, it's obviously you need an individualized approach, right? You, you need to find, like you said, that with, with each uh, student. Um, so how do you find, like, is there, is there a magic number when you have, you know, if you have a classroom with, with 20 kids or 10 kids versus, you know, I don't know if you, if you've done any like one-on-one teaching and how that kind of differs. Um, so I think the style just, you know, the style changes depending on how many students in the classroom, how many people are you interacting with. Um, and I think there's, there's two things to keep in mind. One, I think it goes without saying that the fewer students in the room, the more attention you're able to give, more individualized attention you're able to give to each one individually. That, right, that's fairly, fairly obvious. I think the, the key is, though, um, how you approach a larger group. Meaning, how can you how can you maintain the same level of efficiency 
and and the quality of education doesn't deteriorate with the same number. And I think that just requires a bit more strategy and planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that you you are it, it is able to be done. You are able to give over the same level and same quality of skill set and experience as a one on one, even in a larger group setting. Obviously, it gets harder with the more students that are there. Sure. But it also it forces you to get a bit more creative. Mm. So what are some tools or tips that you've used to engage your students? Because you teach various age groups and middle school in particular can sometimes be tricky and getting them to participate and um, be interested and really engaged. How do you make that work? Kind of like when, 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 when someone goes to the mall or they're just walking around and you never know what's going to pique their interest, and they're just—they're looking for something. They don't know what it is that they're looking for, but they need to go shopping for something, and eventually they're hoping they're going to find it. Um, and so I give them—I give them stores. I give them options to choose from, so to speak. There's different ways to to assess. There's different ways to learn. People who like to read, people who like to listen. Differentiated instruction. It's not—you uh, know—you talk about educators. Howard Gardner, his multiple intelligence theory. How you know every every student will fall into one or two primary categories of a preference in how they learn, and so that kind of also stimulates how we plan our classes. Um, I have my students, for example, uh, when I want them to when I want to see how they're doing in their when they're learning a Gemara. Let's do a Flipgrid, and they're recording themselves, and they give their own explanations. But just them seeing themselves, being them being able to record themselves, and then assess themselves, they follow along, and then they listen to themselves. Mm-hmm. It's an unbelievable tool. People who love to look at themselves, as we've all been looking at ourselves on Zoom the past year and a half, yeah. right? So for those people, they love it. It's great. And those who don't, it's totally fine. There's other ways, um, depending on the class, uh, depending on the subject as well. I have my students act out scenes, um, and the people who are very, they love acting, they're very dramatic, and this is how they express themselves. People who struggle to, you know, with proper classroom behavior, when you, when you give them a role in a play or a skit, okay, this is what I need you to do. I need you to make a skit. I need you to collect four or five other students, and I need you to organize the Parsha or this Peric of Navi into an awesome skit. I need you. They blew it out of the water. It's unbelievable. Um, and that's also teaching them leadership skills and how to work with other students and their, how to get course. everyone a role and all of that. Wow, I like that. Of course. And are your classes, you did mention you teach girls, and boy, are their classes separate? Are they together? Right, so so the classes that I teach, the Judea classes, they are all separate, yes. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the biggest challenge you faced as an educator? Is it COVID? Um, no. COVID was hard for everyone. Uh, it was also just new for most people. It was different. It's hard to teach a class. Um, of mo- most of the students were live. We were we were live the whole year, unless we were closed down. We were in quarantine, you know. But that happened more or less across the country. Right. Um, I think there are multiple struggles. I think that that different educators are faced with. Um, me in particular is, is I guess there were two things. One, making sure that, uh, that we don't burn out, not being overwhelmed with the stress and responsibilities um, that go on both 
within our own personal lives, as well as working in a, in a, in a Jewish day school, as most people know, the, the responsibilities extend way beyond the classroom and the things that are asked and the things that are expected and dealing with the parents and the phone calls, the grading, you know, work comes home with you and you're, you work until 12 o'clock at night and, uh, and then, you, then you go in the next day. Um, and another is, is just finding new creative ways to engage the students. I'm always looking for something different or new. The students love experiencing a new style. They love it. They're yes. like, oh, what are we going to do this time? What, like, what's, what's new and exciting? What's the best way to learn the material? And mm. so that is uh, something that, I, but it's an enjoyable challenge. That is a very much enjoyable challenge. Mm. Yeah, so I feel like you kind of, I mean, the next question is how do you stay motivated? It sounds like that's, you, you've like developed a system that is sort of, you know. <clears throat> um, it's not that you develop a system. It's if, you're, if you go into class miserable, your students will be miserable. True. Right? And, and you will never, you will not, nor will you ever be successful in the classroom or out of the classroom if that's how you, if that's how you present yourself. Even if you try and hide it. Students are, are sharp. They're, they're, they're smart. They will pick it up. And, uh, you know, you find energy because I love, I, I love the students. I love giving them the tools. I love giving them the experience. I love seeing them struggle and really try and, 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 and crack their teeth on understanding something and pushing themselves to the, to the limits that they held to themselves and then surpassing them. Mm-hmm. And so if you're excited getting other people motivated and pushing them beyond what they thought they were capable of doing. That that's awesome. So true. And, and to add to that, you kind of, you'd be able to spark that interest so that they want to continue learning and want to continue being Jewish because they have all these positive um, memories of, Oh, I had that teacher that Ellie Rabbi Zions and what he did for me and they were they remember it that's yeah that's one thing that I always try and do throughout the year um, and that's what I did with all my summer with all my summers is creating memories what can we do to help structure and orchestrate an unforgettable memory mm-hmm. but not just like oh I remember that but it was it was something associated with something of positivity meaningfulness and inspiration and if they're able to create an unforgettable, such a powerful experience, that memory will last them a lifetime. That's and true. in those moments where they're going through a struggle, where they have that doubt, where something happened, they're able to look back in their life and find that memory, to find that moment when they had that epiphany, where they had a clarity, where they had that excitement, where they found that love, where they found what they were looking for in life. It's creating those memories. That's what I, uh, that's what I strive to do. Yeah, definitely. I like that. Yeah, I think you're onto something with the with the camps. Yeah. We, yeah. we we had we had someone else on here who uh, she kept talking about how camps were like the secret, you know, like so we made a joke that we should flip it, you know, and go to camp for ten months a year and have school for two months. That <laughs> might work out better. After this summer, people were asking me. People were asking uh, me. <laughs> um, how did the summer camp, the day camp, come about? How did you pursue that uh, path? It was during COVID. During COVID, I did a lot of reflection, a lot of thinking, and I, it was a moment to reassess how am I doing, where am I going in life, am I on the trajectory that I envisioned, 
Am I aligned with my values? And it was in those moments I was thinking, what, what do I love the most? What makes me happy? And it was creating those memories for people, helping structure and create an unforgettable experience. Those primarily took place throughout the summers. I love the summer. Mm-hmm. I live in Florida. I have summer all year round. And uh, I was thinking summer, fun, memories. Why can't I do that? Why not? I, I've been working, you know, summers my whole life. And um, I, wanted, uh, I wanted something for myself. I wanted, it, I wanted my camp. I have a certain style that I do things. And thank God, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, awesome. we we wish you lots of hatslacha with that. You know, if anyone can pull this off, it's it's you and it's in Boga. So for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, what advice would you give to new educators who are just beginning their journey? I would say two things. You know, many times people go into education fresh out of school, and it's similar to like the yeshiva guy or the seminary girl. They came back from Israel and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, they're like in cloud nine and they're like, oh, my, it's amazing. And, and then eventually, boom, they drop like a rock so quickly. It's unfortunate. It's very sad. I would tell educators who are so passionate, they're so excited to go make a difference and they think the classroom is going to be perfect right off the bat. The kids are going to listen to everything they have to say. They're going to gobble up their their pearls of wisdom. I tell you, pace yourself. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay okay if it doesn't work out right away. Right. It it will work out. (laughs) Give it time. It doesn't mean you're a bad teacher. It doesn't mean you're a horrible human being. It doesn't mean that you're a failure if you messed up once. Pace yourself. Give yourself time. Give yourself experience. You'll be amazing. That's wow. Yeah. That's great advice. I like that advice. And I, I, I do want to ask you just real quick about how much emphasis do you place on that first class of the year? Where is it true? Like if you don't kind of get everything under control and, you know, kind of have like a firm presence, you, you could lose them for the whole year? You can lose them for the whole year if you don't do the second second step of advice. <laughs> and that is making yourself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. and being receptive to feedback and being able to pivot and change your whole style if need be. Mm-hmm. And people who like, oh, no, 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 I need to go back in and I need to lay down the law. You're going into a power struggle with a group of students and mm-hmm. odds are you're not the first person to do it and you won't be the last. Right. And it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a lose-lose. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able and you're willing to go in and say, I'm going to do whatever I can for my students, even if it means that I will have to humble myself and say I was wrong. Just today, I told my class, guys, I have to apologize. I completely dropped the ball. <laughs> I made a mistake. And they were like, Rebbe, don't worry about it. No one cares. You didn't make a mistake. They were like, what, what are you talking about? But they, they, they respect you so much more. You're, you're a human being. You're allowed to make mistakes. Okay. If you're able and willing to be receptive to feedback, to constructive criticism, and you're able to push yourself, okay, the, clearly my style, my approach is not working. Right. Maybe I need to reassess and find a different way to approach it. So to answer your question, Ari, um, if a teacher loses it on the first day and clearly the kids realize it, they could lose it for the whole year if they don't quickly reassess and pivot in their approach. Mm-hmm. It, it it doesn't mean it can't be done. It can be done. It will be harder. It may take more time. But if it's done quickly and swiftly, 
it, it will happen. You absolutely can get control of the class back. Everyone's entitled to an off day or two. Right. And as long as they see that you're trying and you, you're, you're sincere, they will be receptive to you. It seems like that's been a shift. I'm not exactly sure how long or when that, that shift occurred, but it used to be much more in the past in the classroom where the teacher was looked at as the authority figure and had to really come down with the hammer and was the classroom was very teacher directed and spitting information, whatever. And it seems like that definitely has shifted to where it's more so, okay, what's the best, what, what, do I need to do to serve the students and how to really reach them and actually have them be more partners in education? Um, have you noticed that also just in your experience teaching over the years? Well, I can tell you from when I was in school, which was many years ago, <laughs> right? As you both know, um, to now, the it, yes, things have changed. It is not the frontal teaching approach. It is not the the education with, you know, with the stern, with the with the with the anger, with the whip, with the, you know, it, it didn't come. It does. It doesn't happen anymore. A just recent history with all different legal issues and you know unfortunate things that have happened within schools. I think that kind of has shaken educators to reassess, hold on, maybe there's something wrong with that approach, or maybe there's a way in which students will be much more receptive to. And so instead of teaching from a place of on high arrogance or, you know, firmness, it's coming from a place of love. The struggle with that will be just finding that balance because, you know, students will take advantage of that love. They will take advantage of that friendship, so to speak. Not that it's a friendship, but that 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 leniency, that laxity that you're able that you give in the classroom. So it's a matter of just finding that balance. I feel like it's with parenting too. Yeah, you, know, you, you want to show that you're the, you know, you are the parent. But that being said, you also can't be strict either in that regard. So I, there's so many there's so much that parallels with parenting as far as being an educator. And, and so how do you think we can help students build a strong Torah foundation? I think just going off of what, uh, what you were both just saying, <laughs> I think the Torah foundation starts in the home. Right. Um, and so when I speak to parents about their child, I'm not, I'm not saying anything other than this is a partnership. And so it's a matter of communication. What can we do to help your child flourish and thrive? What can we do to help set him or her up for success. And that's, that's I think, the, for, the first and foremost, because students always say, in my house, my dad, or yeah, my mom does this, and I, they told me this, and whatever the parents say will usually trump anything a teacher says. Sometimes it goes the other way around for different uh, dynamics in the family. But I think that there has to be a, a level of consistency and a, and, an, and a level of open communication between the school and the parents. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you think it's really difficult if there's like a mismatch between what they're learning in school and what they're learning at home. Kids are smart and they're going to realize that if you're teaching one thing about Judaism, but they see something very different at home, you know, they'll either ask questions or they're going to assume that the values and priorities of the school, of the Torah education that they are receiving 
is not as valuable as as we the teachers are saying it is mm-hmm. if our family doesn't adhere to anything. Um, I, you know, I, I've had multiple experiences with this where you know we're learning about the holidays, we're learning about Shabbos, we're learning about different things in Judaism, but my family doesn't do that. Oh, you're allowed to do that on Shabbos, or you're allowed to eat that. What are you talking about? What is? We've never had that in my life. You've never seen, it, you know. So, um, it's it, it, tough. Yeah, it makes it it makes it a little bit more challenging. I'm not. I don't want to undermine the parents. Right. But at the same time, if you're sending your child to a Jewish day school where they where you want them supposedly to get a Jewish education, so when we give them the Jewish education. And they choose to ignore it and or and or completely disrespect it. You have to ask yourself why that is. Right. Do the do the parents treat and talk about the rabbi, the teachers, the shul, the synagogue, the school, in a manner that would be consistent with how the school wants it to be, or are the children hearing things which are usually connote a, a level of negativity? Right. And so they pick that up. It seems like that's something that's fairly common in. A religious school setting where the kids are only going maybe once or twice a week. Okay, so it's not a, they're not, you know, in the environment where they have Jewish learning every single day. Do you find that this is also a big issue in Jewish day schools where there are so many families that are really maybe not as observant? And so there is such a big disconnect. I hope that makes sense. I think so. I think. I think it really depends if where the parents are set, what, what school that the parents are sending, sending their child to. <laughs> if the school has a level of, of, or a, um, if the school has a certain level of values and priorities, which are aligned with the parents. So then that's fine. If the bar is, if, if the religious observance level is very low and minimal, then the parents have no problem with it. And that's exactly what they want. They want a Jewish experience. Mm. It's, it's like Jewish experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they want them to be culturally Jewish and associating with Judaism in a very Jewish sense. But if you're sending your kid to a modern Orthodox Jewish day school or a religious Jewish day school, however you want to define those terms, right? And uh, and yet the family themselves are not necessarily reflecting those same core values as the school. So then there will be difficulties on both ends from the school as well as the parents. So what does successful Jewish education in the future look like? Uh, I don't know if there is one. I don't know if there is an answer for that. I'm not sure what success looks like. And I don't know if it's meant to be so smooth. I think part of the journey is the struggle Mm. and the struggle itself is part of the education. You'll never find a smooth education where it's like from A to Z, the school, every class, every teacher, every student, it's perfect. But I think being able to accept the struggle, internalize it and utilize it as a platform for growth. That is the success. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there a, a particular curriculum you think could just be better than what we're doing, the curriculums we have now? Uh, I will tell you, as far as I know, most schools teach things very differently. Um, and that's based on the different educators that are in the various different schools. Right. So you may even have the same material. Right? We all have 
Uh, we all have the same Shulchan Aruch. We all have the same Komish. Yet yeah. every school that I've seen teaches things very differently, a different style, a different approach. They're gleaning different ideas. We're all reading the same text, but the way in which we present it, the way in which we interact with the material is very different. So I can't say that there is a different curriculum, right? There is a core curriculum of content that we need to understand. How we give it over, I think, is the beauty of it, that it's always evolving, it's always changing. So do you do you have like um, do you kind of develop your own curriculum? Do you take a chumash and take note, running notes like throughout the year, and develop it over time or in like yeah. a formal way? Yeah, yeah, because it works for me. Like for example, last year I was teaching Hilchos Shabbos, and uh, um, it was exciting because I I, I, I needed to learn Hilchos Shabbos, the Hilchos <laughs> Shabbos. I, there's so many, and even the things that I thought I knew to review, it was amazing for me. I got I loved it, and then. Uh, you know, I found, I was trying to think of different ways to make it exciting for the kids. And so you learn, you know, the introduction to Shabbos, you know, uh, the mitzvahs, asis, the positive commandments of Shabbos, of Kiddush, of Avdallah, uh, of the Su'uda, of uh, Halakas Neros, different things. And, you know, they had to do projects for each thing. Did the school amazing. Did the school provide you with some sort of outline or were you kind of on your own to develop it? I, 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 did, it, I, I did it all on my own. Um, I had, that's again, you don't always need to recreate the wheel. I, I, yeah. I definitely spoke with various other um, educators and teachers to find out what the, what what was the content that they taught, what they felt was essential to know, um, and the style in which they gave it over. And so when I got an idea of how other people were doing it, I was able to kind of craft my own style and felt that mm, yeah, you get to pick and choose from what's going on around you and develop your own your own curriculum and your own approach. Well, it looks like when educators are given that freedom to be creative and, and use, okay, you know, let's say we have this curriculum, whatever it is, but the educators have that freedom to, okay, take it and run with it and kind of use whatever things are in their toolkit. It makes it that much more engaging for the students and for the classroom, makes it run that much smoother um, do you find that also? Yeah. I mean, obviously, if, if there is a planned curriculum and it has, you know, the interactive projects or it has the worksheets, it has, you know, different things with some room for tweaking to be able to make your own, give your own flavor, I think that's great. Obviously, it alleviates, it alleviates a lot more stress and uh, anxiety, like, oh, I have all this stuff I need to prepare. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, there is something to be said about, you know, taking that material and making it your own. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rabbi Zions, this was <laughs> what an honor to have you on the podcast and to be able to see you and talk to you. Um, I, it's been so long and it was just really good. And we're going to go back. And like you said, I mean, that's, that's one way I learn is going back and watching it again, listening to it again. And that's one of the reasons we do this. And so we're really happy that you were here. We definitely want to follow up with you also. Well, it was it was an honor being here. And thank you so much for reaching out. It was really a pleasure. Yeah. So such, such a pleasure. Hatsako Rabba with everything. Like we have, you know, total faith in you that you're going to be great. Like you're, this is, seems like what you're destined to do. So you must be pretty happy. Um, oh and, and your students are very lucky to, uh, to, to get to learn with you um, over the years. All right, by Zion. So what's the best way to, uh, we can tell people to get in touch with you or find you? They can email me anytime, shoot me a call, a WhatsApp, a text, anything you want. 
and, and my email yeah my email email is e t z i a n s at gmail dot com e t z i a n s at gmail dot com well it's so good to uh, talk with you again and all the best with your family and everything yeah please send regards yeah definitely absolutely absolutely will do uh, talk right. to you soon take care right. take care. <laughs>